Hello, welcome to Afraid Not. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is episode number 12 with Jennifer Farley. Jennifer is a mom, a teacher, and a recent widow. She lost her husband suddenly almost four years ago, and she shares with us today her journey through the pain, her difficulties and trials of still raising her three awesome boys and how God's met her every step of the way. Psalm 3115 says, my times are in your hands. We will hear about how God has walked her through this and even using other people as his hands and feet. We're glad you're listening in today to Jennifer Farley's story. Jennifer, thanks so much for coming today. Hi, how are y'all? We're really grateful. We're thankful that you would be willing to come and share your story with us and with our listeners. And this is really brave and awesome of you. So thank you for coming on Afraid Not. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So why don't you just go ahead and give us a little peek into your life, um, your family, your job, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I, I consider myself just like your average suburban sports mama. And um, I've got three boys. Tate is my oldest. He's 17. And uh, Lane is 14. Wyatt is 11. And we just, that's what we do. Sports and school and try to make, you know, have a happy home and just get it all done. So on um, an average of a week, what would you guess in baseball season? How many games do you attend per week usually? Well, I used to have two very competitive baseball players, but I'm, I'll say soccer for now because uh, I don't have any baseball players left. They've all decided that that's not for them. So I have Tate plays soccer. Last week we had um, five games, and that was... One week. In one week, yes, and then a tournament. So we had... And then we traveled yesterday to Dallas and back in one day for a game. So, um, And my Ooh. middle one does CrossFit competitions. And oh, we just wow. finished up a big competition it was every Friday night for the last uh, month or so and then my little one is uh, plays basketball and football and I mean we're just kind of all sports yeah. but not so much baseball anymore and I think I'm the only one that misses it but we do have people <laughs> ask us all the time are you sure Lane doesn't want to play baseball or Wyatt so anyway they're just athletes and I I love that about them I think that's a lot you know comes from um, just a strong family background of athletes so um, it's great. fun. Yeah, it's fun. And you teach? I do. I teach STEM. Um, I've taught for 22 years. <clears throat> I have mostly taught in seventh grade, but I did teach fifth grade at Barnes uh, for a long time. Yay for Barnes, because that's where I teach. Yes, Yay. that's right. It's the best. Um, <laughs> but of course, the seventh grade center, I have to say, is uh, right up there. But we, I taught uh, science in seventh grade, honors, science, and kind of all levels for a while. And then uh, my principal was about to retire and asked me if I would be willing to try to start the STEM elective. Uh, oh, that was three years ago. Will you tell our listeners ago. what STEM stands yes. for? Because some of them might not know. Yeah, sure. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, it's a big, kind of a big push that we try to do, you know, from K through 12. But mm-hmm. in all in all areas, we should be including STEM uh, but just it's it's nice to have it as an elective. And we didn't have any curriculum and really no budget to start with. So it was really kind of a good time to jump into something and, and just, you know, have a nice distraction for my mind and something to really work toward. And it's been a really rewarding class. And, um, you know, next year they're going to move us to semesters because they just want more kids to be 
um, kind of exposed to it. So I'll have 300 kids next year. I have 150 this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I think Jennifer may be a little too humble to share this with our listeners, but I will tell you that she was the seventh grade center teacher of the year for 2017, 18, right? Yes. And she was fantastic. And so we're really proud of her. And yes. awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it was, it was fun, fun to go through all of that. And uh, I guess I also will tell you a little bit about my husband. Um, that's a big part of who I am and that uh, we, we did lose my husband just about, it's almost four years in April. So wow. yeah, April 27th. Oh. Yeah. So we're coming up on an anniversary and um, just right off the bat in April, you know, it kind of starts to feel closer and, mm-hmm. ooh, you know, it gets a little like everything kind of, you go back through every day that happened right before that, starting with April 1st. So um, anyway, but that's, you know, kind of what I want to share is just yes. everything that we've been through since. And it was uh, sudden and not expected at all. So, uh, but my boys and I, you know, one thing about all those sports is just that that was his, you know, passion. I think he probably was meant to be a coach and he was a coach to all of them. But, um, we do just last week, my friend sent me an article that she had found and thought it reminded her of us, of the boys and I, and it was just all about Hebrews 12 and how we have this, you know, cloud of witnesses. And I just told the boys, I'm like, he is shoving his way to the front row. And, you know, he's <laughs> loud and proud, you know, just like he was here. So um, I think, and we've been reminding each other of that ever since it happened. So mm-hmm. anyway, it was a nice reminder just of, you know, how I'm hoping, you know, how people see who saw him and see us now that we can just still rely on the fact that we'll see him again someday. And, you know, that's kind of keeps us going. So tell us how you met your husband. Oh, gracious. Okay. Um, well, he was only in Owasso. I'm an Owasso native. So I graduated here. Yes. In 92, I graduated and, um, he went here only his senior year and that was 90 class of 91. I did not know him when we were in high school. Um, I knew of this, I was the yearbook editor, so I was like really, I was kind of nerdy as far as like, and someone told me, you're now, nerdy is cool. you're now a geek because you get paid to be nerdy. I'm like, okay, I like that. I'm going to own that. Oh, yeah. 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 So, uh, I like it, but so you no, go nerd and then up to geek. Yeah. I guess oh, okay. it was a, it, it's a step up. I had no idea. Um, but I was yearbook editor and we had to find this guy who hadn't had a senior picture made, um, named Shane Farley. And. Uh, we had to go find him and take his picture. That's really all I knew of him in high school. And then we ran across each other at one of my friend's birthday parties in college. And just what's funny is we dated three different times because I was not convinced that (laughs) God was, you know, telling me that he was the right one. And um, I just thought he had a lot of growing up to do. And I just, you know, anyway, it was a big joke at our <laughs> wedding. Our pastor, you know, teased us about how I, at the time, this book was out called The Rules. And it was all, I remember the rules. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you had very specific things that you wanted, a, you know, a guy to follow. And you would know they were really interested. And so 
and they didn't really necessarily know that you were reading these books. So it was really funny, though, even to hear our pastor kind of tease us about that at the wedding and say, well, I guess you finally followed the rules, and um, (laughs) now she's ready to keep you. But um, he actually lived in Nashville for part of that time and was singing all up and down, you know, Music Row and trying to make it big. And um, yeah, so he came back because his mom had uh, cancer and he came back to be with her and we dated uh, when he was back home and, you know, kind of reconnected. And um, anyway, the rest is history, basically. And he was sort of a baby Christian at the time we were together. He was not raised in church. And then um, he got to be a really big part of our church. And so one of the most fun things that we had done was be a part of the youth group together when we were dating and we were, you know, helping sponsor the youth group that we were at Freedom at the time and they didn't have a youth sponsor. So right when we got home from our honeymoon, we'd gone to Puerto Rico and came back and within the next week led a group of 27 kids to build new roofs, you know, in Natchez, Mississippi. So uh, wow. we got made fun of, you know, the whole time because <laughs> by the other, you know, sponsors, right. like, oh gosh, <laughs> newly really? So uh, anyway, it was fun though. It was fun. So um, why don't, since we kind of have started talking about Shane, why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us that backstory? Okay. Well, uh, we were just having a regular day and uh, went to. I was going to take Tate over to his work to drop him off so he could run him. We were basically splitting two ways for practices and things in the evenings. And so I had started over there and on the way the practice got canceled. And so I was, you know, had one of the boys to text him and say, I'm going to, I'm not going to bring him to you. And I, we spelled it wrong. We said tape. So one of the last jokes was that he was making fun of me for calling our child tape. And I just remember that because here I was, you know, headed his way and then he's just still teasing and I'm thinking, okay, well then we all go home and it was a nice evening. We'd already planned and rearranged schedules so that I could go to Bunko because Bunko was just fun and I've played it for, you know, 20 years with the same group and it's a lot of the ladies I teach with and so anyway, it was bunco night and I'm like, well, do you want me to stay home since you're, since we're all home? I mean, that would be fun. And anyway, he just kissed me by, said, have fun. I had fed everyone dinner and I, away I went. It was at my sister's, so it wasn't too far down the road. But while I was there, um, Tate called me and he had already called 911 and was, you know, just standing over his daddy and didn't know what to do. And I asked him, you know, if, if he, if he felt like they, did they give you any instructions or anything? And he said, no, they just said to stay calm and, um, keep my brothers calm. They were all three there with him. So, and he did such a good job. I mean, seriously. And he just passed the phone back and forth so I could talk to them while, you know, they drove me over because as soon as I, I mean, it was, I know it was God because I didn't always have my phone just right in my face, especially if I'm with my friends and I knew everyone was home, you know, and it was just right there. And I answered and ran out the door and one of the girls said, don't, you know, she needs someone to drive her. So my sister ran and drove me home and it didn't take, we got there the same time the paramedics got there. But I just, you know, remember standing on my bed in our master bedroom, watching them work on him and thinking, why can't they do anything? Like, this isn't going right, mm-hmm. you know? And um, anyway, we followed the ambulance to the hospital, and he didn't make it much past getting to the hospital. So 
Um, his family does have a history of heart disease, not quite what, you know, what they thought as far as the, just the severity of it. We didn't really know how, how bad it was, but his grandmother passed in a lot the same way, just very suddenly, just, she was at a family reunion and fell backward in a lawn chair and that was it. So it was kind of the same thing. So, um, then my sister ran the boys to my mother-in-law's, which lives right close to the hospital. And she came back up to be with me. And right as she walked in the room, the doctor was coming in to let me know that, you know, he didn't make it. And I Mm -hmm. didn't, didn't want to believe anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but probably the worst part was just, you know, telling him bye and, um, then trying to make it over to back to my mother-in-law's to tell the boys that was probably, that was probably the worst, you know, that was a long ride to the, Oh yeah. And she lives like, you know, half a mile from the hospital, but I just, just remember thinking that, um, you know, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be there for them and be as honest as I could and just tell them, I didn't know how else to say just to make sure they knew that they hadn't done anything wrong. And Mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing is for them to just know that. And, um, they all deal with different, you know, they've dealt with it differently, every, each one of them and me too. So, Mm -hmm. um, but just those first moments were really, really rough. I couldn't even go back to my mother-in-law's and sit on the couch for a while because I just couldn't sit there because that's, what I remembered, you know, last. Mm-hmm. So, and, the and they short really span. couldn't either. Yes. You got your phone call. Yeah. And then there you were sitting in your mother in law's living room just a short amount of hours later. Yes. Yes. Like, I mean, we, you know, the girls at Bunko were still at Bunko praying, oh. just standing around praying. Like, what do we do? What a whiplash of emotion. Yes. It was all happened within like an hour and a half, you oh. know. So, um, it was, yeah, that was rough. My principals both came straight to my mother-in-law's house. I mean, one of, Miss Fivecoats lives in Bixby and drove clear out, back out here to be with us and um, just some really good family friends and everybody. And then we stayed there that evening and then um, went back home the next night. But it was rough being at home. We had just, like, we lived there two years, but it was our going to be our home that our grandbabies came Mm -hmm. to and and all of that and so um knowing that he had basically I mean they said he really probably didn't make it much past you know the house but uh that that part didn't bother me as much as just knowing that he probably wouldn't have wanted me to feel the need to try to care for the land we had seven acres we had like a one acre pond we had just built a barn just put the fence up for the animals. We were really rolling with all of our exciting things we were going to do out there. And um, that was probably the worst was the first day I had to get on the the tractors, just a big lawnmower, but <laughs> between school and practices, um, I just realized I, I wasn't supposed to try to do that by myself. Mm-hmm. So Uh, My brother-in-law helped me get the house ready to sell. He's a realtor, which was great. And we we had been looking at the house for a long time. We loved that home, and it was just very unique. And it had been on the market for a long time, like over a year when we bought it. It, They were just not having a lot of luck selling it. 
and we sold it in three days. Like oh, it was. Oh wow! Yes. So a lot of prayer went into that, and just knowing, you know, what what are you, and that's probably one of the biggest things that people say that you're not supposed to do after a big loss is make big decisions like selling homes, moving. But I just, there were men from his work that were going to come over and do all the mowing. And they did for probably the first two or three weeks. And then just life happens. You know, people Mm -hmm. get busy and things, you know, people move on and do their own lives. And I just realized he wouldn't have wanted them to feel like, you know, guilty if they couldn't or, and I just think it was the right thing to do, you know, when I look back on it. So um, it's also been a blessing just because we're closer into town, closer to the schools. Um, I just feel a little safer knowing that um, my boys can get back and forth fairly easily. It's more convenient for people who help us out with rides and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's been a good it's been a good move. Uh, my middle son probably misses the land the most, but because um, he's kind of a hunter and fisherman, but we've had lots of opportunities for that as well. So it's been a good thing. I know that it must have felt surreal to be leaving the home that you had shared with Shane and starting in a new home and having, it's just you and the boys, but there's a healthiness too of that you were probably like, all right, this is our path and we're going to walk in this. This is our new where we are, yeah. and we're going to make it. Um, there's nothing about it that is easy. No. Nothing. But I wonder if it was for you to be in that new home, maybe um, turning that chapter into like, all right, we're turning this page, and we're going to go. Yes, and really right before the new owners, um, you know, right before we started packing, I guess, I, I had not slept in our room since, um, and I didn't want the boys to leave with the same mindset that I was having about it. Uh, so we, one evening I said, you know, come on, we're going to come in here and we're going to sit in the floor just right where he had been. And we're going to pray for our new, you know, our new friends who are going to own this home because this is an amazing place. I mean, it was just the coolest place. And uh, I said, we want them to know that we're not scared. We're not leaving because we're, you know, sad and we don't like this place. And we are leaving because we know it's right for us. And Mm -hmm. we want them to make new memories here and not to feel, you know, in the slightest bit, you know, we don't ever want them to feel like they haven't gotten something just amazing. You know, we just wanted them to love it as much as we did. And I told the boys, we can't do this. And, you know, this is more for mommy probably than for you guys, but I need you to sit right here and we need to pray right here. So we did, and they took turns and it was awesome. And so I just know that, you know, that was, that was probably the best thing we could have done at the time. And, Mm -hmm. Um, just sometimes you just don't know where these feelings come from. And that's one thing I would love for people to know about grieving is that you are going to feel crazy. I mean, I had some moments out there the first few nights that we, you know, that my sister stayed with us until I just basically said, go home. And she just (laughs) didn't want me to feel scared or, uh, wake up in the middle of the night, which I wasn't sleeping hardly at all. And I still don't sleep great. I mean, honestly, it's just always been sort of a bad thing that I do. Um, but 
I just maybe don't require as many hours, but I would wake up, I would go outside. Luckily we didn't have that many neighbors and just scream and just say, what in the world is this supposed to Mm -hmm. look like? What am I supposed to do with my kids? What, you know, how am I supposed to do this without him? And anyway, just scream and pray to God, like what, what did, you know, and at first you want to say, why did you do this to me? (laughs) But you know, it's just, that's not the right thing to say or the right way to look at it. It's okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. She can't stay there, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes, I had some very weirdo kind of moments where I thought, what, what am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing, and then sitting in that floor, I remember thinking, I don't, I don't really care if the boys look back and think my mom was nuts, but we're sitting right here where all of this happened. And, you know, but I think it helped and, you know, I think it's actually really healthy Yes, that you did that, yeah. that you let out all of the craziness oh, yeah. and let it yeah. out and just yeah. yelled and, and yeah. Just didn't try to bottle it up. I think that's probably made a really big difference for you and for your boys. That's yeah. healthy. Well, thanks. I I mean, I hope so. Honestly, that's one of the things I would also just want people to know is that, um, I mean, my kids are all three very different. I have one super, you know, I mean, wound tight, very <clears throat> nervous, very, you know, anxious about everything. And I have one super laid back and the, the most laid back of them all, you know, has handled it with more bitterness than I thought that, really? that he would. Yes. And he's just such a good boy, but he, you know, just at times is just very, very bitter. So, um, and I mean, he gets over it, but, and it's again, you know, I, we just have to say it's okay. It's all right to feel that way. You have every reason mm-hmm. to feel that way. And then, you know, my youngest is just developmentally, they go through different phases. And I'm so happy to, to realize that even as an educator, you know, to be able to go, okay, yes, that is true. Because at this age, they're going to feel this way. And, and he has definitely gone through some different feelings about losing his dad, you know, different even than my oldest, because he just was so little and, you know, just so much learning to do as far as just how life works. And so he's had a different way to handle it even. And they did some really intense counseling for about the first six months. And um, I'm glad you were wise enough to say, okay, counseling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Right. I mean, I think when we grew up, I grew up in a, in a divorced, you know, I'm a child of divorce and um, I feel like my my mom would have probably gladly done that, but it just wasn't as talked about then. It wasn't as available. no, no, yeah. yeah. Nobody really talked about going to any kind of counseling yeah. growing up. Yeah, not even and even if they did, I think it was not maybe didn't have this as positive of right. You know, and maybe maybe image people even. had some suspicion of well, if you do that, then that must mean it's that you must be like. Uh, really crazy or something, which is really not true at all. No, it's, it's the not. wisest people that are getting the mental health help. That's yes. the wisest people going to get the the you know carefully making their way back to healthiness. It's like mm-hmm. anyway, my um, my oldest called it a depression session. <laughs> Every Aww. time we would go, he's <laughs> like, "That is like nothing but a depression session." I'm like. Okay, but what, you know, I'm sure there's something you gain from it. And as a parent, you also learn you don't have to know everything they talked about. And you just let them go and do what they do. And that's not, that's their time. It's not your time. 
And so it was just nice to know that they were discussing it and, and their feelings with someone besides just me. And I do have, you know, I feel like my boys tell me a lot, um, but I, and I feel fortunate in that, that they have no problem telling me and talking to me about things, but I know they need, they need more than me, especially because I'm not a male. And I felt mm-hmm. very strongly about them having, you know, a male counselor so that they could just talk freely. And that's very, know. yeah, that's good. And I've also, I mean, I know sometimes as teachers, we can request teachers or we can put in our two cents to our awesome counselors and say, <laughs> please help us out. But my biggest thing has been that they have as many male teachers as they can. I just feel, I feel inadequate in that area. <laughs> you know, if there's something that they can, they can get a very different influence from a man and there's not a man in our home. So I feel like that's and important. You have, but you have some men around you that are that oh, speak into them. Yes, 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 we do. Um, well, their coaches are amazing. Um, my husband's best friend, Chris, I mean, he's been there through everything. We've traveled together, and they have a soccer player, and he's a little younger. He's my middle son's age, but we do a lot of travel together for things like that. And uh, right after, you know, everything happened, Shane's uh, company, Matrix, he worked for Matrix. He was a um, project manager for pipe, or for, they built tanks to hold crude oil, and he was having to travel quite a bit the last couple of years to Wisconsin to finish up some of the tanks up there. They sent us on a trip with two representatives from the company, one of which was one of whom was Chris, because that's who he worked with Shane as well. And so it was nice because we were comfortable with who we were traveling with and all of that. But they dedicated the last tank that he built to him and Here's this, you know, wow. very restricted area. It's where the oil and gas lines cross right there by, you know, Lake Superior and all of that. And it's somewhere that I never would have dreamt that I would have gone with Shane or without Shane just because it was, I knew it was just where he did his work. But it was so cool to be there because he used to send us pictures of the mama bears and their cubs walking through that area and they would have to shut down production. And I mean, I just, I felt like I'd been there even though I hadn't. And um, they, these men had dedicated this tank to him, and they had this big reveal, and there was this gigantic um, decal of a guitar on the side of the tank. Ooh. So it's <laughs> very cool. It's and so meaningful. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I fully expect all three of my boys to probably have that tattooed on their body somewhere before <laughs> too long. <laughs> this really cool picture. And one of the men there, you know, came up with it and drew it and anyway it was just it has Shane's signature in it it's really cool so we do we are surrounded we're surrounded by Mm -hmm. men who are really good men my my youngest son's football coach um is Jason Karn he is uh goes to Friendship Baptist they've they've just been their whole family has been so good to him and especially my littlest I feel like he he just needs a little extra sometimes my oldest has just got a lot of really good mentors as far as um just who he puts himself around and he's also a, quite a leader so so was that a really meaningful way to honor him to get to take that trip it was. It was really cool. And I'm I'm telling you, just traveling in general has been 
nice. And whether it's for sports or not, it feels it feels good. Change of scenery. Yes. Yeah. And that was what the I saw the counselor I saw said. I don't know if you've gotten your boys to the beach, but they need to go to the beach, and you need to have no plans. You need to just be in the sand and the surf, and that's it. And mm-hmm. we didn't get the opportunity to do that until about, I guess it was about a year and a half later. But I just remember taking a picture of the three of them sitting on our balcony where we were staying, and that's all. They weren't even talking. They were just listening. And it was just so cool because then the rest of the day was just a lot like that. I mean, just sort of reflective, and I think you get there and you just see what, wow, I mean, God is pretty amazing, and we don't have to have any plans, and we have struggled with that. I mean, we do not idle well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to be just home, and it's hard to not feel like you're being productive or there's something you could be doing better or faster or, you know, what could we get done while we're here? We are getting better at that, and we're four years out. You know, but it didn't happen till probably last summer. I have this five-year journal, and you know, you can kind of track your progress and write on the same days for the you know each year. And the difference between my 2016 uh, writing and now are just night and day. I mean, I was literally putting one foot in front of the other and taking a breath in and a breath out. And some days that's probably as good as it was <laughs> mentally. You know, I think I was making it happen but um it it, we have come a long way so it's it's been nice to have sort of a variety of travel and and being home occasionally we're really not as home as often as we are gone (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I think that'll slow down here you know as in the next few years a little bit but um and I I look forward to that now and I didn't think I ever would I just kept thinking what's going to happen when we don't we don't have so much busy you know so many busy things but I think we're getting better. So, Have the different seasons and layers of grief been something that you anticipated? Or is it something that kind of surprised you? That you, you find yourself, a wave will hit you, or, or maybe something new that you hadn't thought of might suddenly spring up in your memories and take you by surprise. Did you anticipate that, or have you felt like, oh, I, I didn't know? Well, I had a friend give me a book right out of the shoots that was called I'm Grieving as Fast as I Can. And I read that, you know, fairly quickly and I thought, well, that makes it makes a lot of sense, but I'm not trying to rush this either because this was my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. just has been flip-flopped and um yeah, you can just you can just tell that you it does take time and it is it does come in waves. Um, I can hear a song, I can see a bird, I can, you know, it just doesn't really matter. The wind can blow a certain way when it changes seasons. A change of season is really rough for me, for whatever reason. I just, I used to spring, look forward maybe, to Spring maybe, since it was in the spring. Yes, and fall, because I don't know what it is about, well, I do know what it is. It's, it's football season, and mm-hmm. he played football. His brother played all four years at TU. We used to go to those games when we were dating, um, he coached the boys' teams. It's just such a fun, it's a fun time of year. He learned how to love soccer in the fall, and that was, you know, that's Tate's passion, and he never thought he would have a soccer player. And so um, just I think the fall and the spring are both hard, yeah. but 
I think it's just something about like another season changing and, you know, another, another year, another year. Yeah. And I just feel like, um, certain things that happen probably that seem the hardest are when, when someone gets sick or has like a new, like we just found out recently that Lane is dealing with, um, some convert convergence insufficiency with his eyes. We probably, Shane and I started in, when he was in third grade, trying to figure out if he might be dyslexic or what was going on with his vision. In fourth grade, he got glasses. In seventh grade, they gave him bifocals because they felt like he needed the help just muscularly. Well, just this last uh, couple of months, we found out what it really is, and it's going to take some therapy to fix it. But just when things like that happen, I find myself thinking, I can't do this. This is too much. There's too many things. Why can't I fix that? I can't fix it right now. I mean, you know, I should be able to, to, you know, you just don't like the unexpected. Um, I'm, I've always been kind of a list maker. And so when things are not quite planned, you know, it's, it is hard. Um, and you want to be able to, you want your boys to have it. I want my boys to have it easy. And that's not, that's not real life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but we all kind of want that for our kids. Sure. That sure. we just don't want them to have to struggle. Yeah. Right. So, and then I do think, okay, it's just part, it is part of being a mom. Um, but I feel like they have, those are the times when I think, okay, they've suffered enough, you know, this shouldn't be what they're going through. And it's hard to not have someone to bounce that off of and feel like, how are we going to fix this? Um, I do rely on my sister a lot, my, my older and younger. My younger didn't used to live in Owasso, and she's here now. And so it's so nice. And my brother just lives right in Tulsa. So it is nice to have family close um, and to have friends. My school friends are basically, you know, they're just like family. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys can all <laughs> relate to that. Uh, but it's nice to have people to, you know, kind of just have you not necessarily I don't want them to say you've got this I want them to say no how about this try this so I need them to be honest and kind people of people to always, do life with yes yeah just right alongside mm-hmm. I don't you know now discipline is is a whole other issue and I know mothering was something that um you know I wanted to just talk about motherhood and of course you're going to have those times when you need to you know maybe discipline a little. I am very fortunate in that I don't have to do that very often. My boys are the really, I, I know God just said, this is, this is where this is all you can handle. But, um, I don't, but if I do, I really miss Shane in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I try really hard not mm-hmm. to say to the boys, your dad would, right, <laughs> right. you know, cause yeah. how easy would that be? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't want them to feel that on top of me, right. you know, if I'm a little disappointed or whatever. So I, I've had to find new ways to do, to do discipline. So that's been tricky. That Is it be. difficult when you're all hitting different stages of grief at different times? Like one person's angry, one person's sad? Yes. And that was uh, a lot of times the, someone would ask me, How, how's everyone doing? And I'm like, well, it depends on the day or the hour for each person. So multiply that by four. You know, we're all, we're all doing differently, mm-hmm. but uh, we're doing the best we can. And yes, it is hard because we can all be having a good day and one of us not. And I mean, 
I, I did have a mom who raised four kids on her own, and she would do the pinch under the arm and pull you to the <laughs> side and yep. say, I don't care what kind of day you're having. You will not ruin ours. And I just don't, I mean, I've, I'm a tough love gal, but that, that seems harsh to me, to, you know, cause I want them to be able to process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different, you know, circumstance, but I just have thought of her several times thinking, okay, I could probably really let them have it right now, but, um, I want them to be able to, to live in it, you know, and, and get, get it out. If you need to talk, if you need to, you know, if you need to yell, if you need to go scream in your pillow, go hide in the closet for a minute, whatever you need to do. So we've, we've, we've definitely hit different levels for sure at different times. And sometimes when we're all firing on all cylinders, it's just really nice. So we've had some of those moments lately. And I will say, um, everything I've read and everything, you know, we've been through in the last few years, they say, you know, year two can be hard and year three can be where the realism hits, you know, that, wow, this is, this is our life. So Mm -hmm. we've got to just, we've got to make the best of it. And, uh, regardless of what we're going through and, um, or have been through or will go through, you know, we are going to have milestones that are going to come up and those are going to be hard holidays. You know, those can be hard. So really we're, we're getting there for sure. So Tate is going to be a senior next year. Yes. So you're going to hit all those milestones and graduations and preparing for college. Have you kind of thought through that already? Yes, we've had um, we've had several college visits already. Mm-hmm. For he wants to play soccer in college, and that's been a goal of his, you know, since he was probably ten or eleven. And I will tell you, it's hard as a parent period, to know what to say in those situations. Yes, it is. When when you're Mm -hmm. meeting with advisors or, you know, the head of a department or Mm -hmm. the coach, and I don't, I don't know what to say. So I just smile and try to let Tate do the talking. And I mean, he's the captain of the high school team. He's the captain of his club team. He's a very, he's a good communicator for himself and on behalf of himself. But I mean, as a parent, you want to ask all these questions about the, you know, do you ask about financial aid? Do you mm-hmm. ask about, um, you know, do they require study hall? <clears throat> do you tell them what we've been through so that they know who they're dealing with? I mean, do I send an email later? You know, gently just let them know. Um, but we've had a few times where we sat down at a, at a lunch meeting with two coaches. We had been invited to a campus and um, we thought we might be in a large group of people and we didn't realize they just wanted to have lunch with us, which was awesome. It was so many positives, you know, so many things are going so well. And, um, they asked me, well, what does your husband do? And I was like, Oh, so mm-hmm. I just, I looked over at Tate and mm-hmm. I just smiled and, you know, told him, you know, we had lost Shane and, Oh, they felt so terrible. But at the same time, it was all out there. And, Tate was able to actually make a sentence and I wasn't sure if I could, but it was fine. It's just that we're going to have to, you know, that that's part of just the honesty of your life and your testimony. And we talked about it later that, you know, someday it's going to come out of your mouth easier than it feels like right now, because Mm -hmm. it gets easier for me. Um, you know, anytime we're on a new team or anytime we're in a new group of friends or, in a meeting, even with school, you know, you can sit around a table with other educators from other districts and they want to talk about their families. And it's just, Um, it is hard. I mean, just everything can be hard like that. So learning to have conversations and 
preparing for adulthood, you know, is, is going to be, this is going to be his, his reality. So, um, he's done a good job with it though. And just trying to get him ready. And they always say, well, three of three of them so far have said, so he probably wants to stay close to home then. And I say, no, not necessarily. You know, he's, he's got big plans and, and dreams. Mm -hmm. And, um, do I want him to stay close to home? No, not necessarily. I want him to, you know, branch out and reach out and get where he needs to, to go wherever God takes him. And we've talked about that a lot, you know, he and I, so it's, it's going to be okay, but it Mm -hmm. definitely brings its a whole new set of, um, you know, emotions for sure. So Mm -hmm. it's so true. So what are some of kind of your biggest um, things you want, like for parents who may be dealing with this or, or their children are, what are some resources or some things that are main things that you would encourage them with? Um, I would just say, you know, as, as a mom, you know, I have to say if you're a parent, if you're a mom dealing with this or a dad dealing with this, you can only be the best that you allow yourself to be. Um, I'm not ever going to be team mom again. I'm not going to volunteer for things I can't put on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn how to say no. I, I had to learn, I didn't have to be the one to collect the money or create the t-shirt for the team or come up with the fundraiser or, you know, these are all things that, you know, parents do. And I don't have to be that person. I can support whoever's doing it. Um, every year when I go to a booster club meeting, I just pay my booster club dues and then go up to whoever the president is and say, I'm your behind the scenes girl. If you need me to cut out letters for a party or, you know, a sign you need, or, you know, you can email me at school and I'll be happy to help you or whatever, but I'm, you can't be everything you used Mm -hmm. to be. And that's okay. Um, at first I was determined I wasn't giving up anything and you, you can't do that. You have to be willing to let go a little bit. And I also would say that, um, Probably people who don't know what to say to a widow or a widower is just that I would probably never want to hear someone complain about their spouse. I, I promise oh, you. Yeah. I I would say of all the advice, you know, when you're around someone just having a conversation, you might say, Oh, I have it so rough. You know, my husband was mowing the yard last night and I, you know, okay, well, first of all, your husband was mowing the yard, you weren't. You know, I mean, I just, mm-hmm, you know, right. I don't know. And I don't mean to sound petty in that way or anything, but we, we've we had some very real conversations, even just around the lunch table at school about realizing each other's struggles. But I mean, I have very beautiful couples who are friends who, you know, are just can still, I don't, I would never want someone to not be themselves around me, but just if you're a woe is me person mm-hmm. or someone who wants to compete for how busy you are versus me, my sister always says, don't get in a busy contest with Jennifer. And, uh, <laughs> but I also, you know, wouldn't want to get in a busy contest with someone else, but some people like to spout off everything they've, you know, how busy they've been. And I just always just try to stay quiet and smile and nod like, yeah. So, and I'm thinking of the laundry at home yeah. or the, the yard that, or the fence that needs fixed because the dog just got in the neighbor's yard or whatever the case may be. So, Jennifer, I heard you share your testimony with our First Baptist Church of Owasso women's event that we had in November. Yes. And one of the things that I took home with me that night that was something that 
changed my perspective and was a blessing to me, and I hope it will be to our listeners right now, that, um, and I, I wish so much that this wasn't the circumstance. I wish mm-hmm. I was here so badly. Um, but what you shared and how you said, if you're picking up the socks off the floor, thank yeah. God that you're picking up the socks. Yes, yeah. yeah. And just stop. So yeah. it truly made mm-hmm. a difference for me in my perspective mm-hmm. and saying, thank you, God, that I'm picking up dirty socks off the floor. I'm so glad I get to do this. Yes. And it changes how, you know, we really, we all have so many things to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. And when we get our heart in that grateful pose, we are so much happier. Yes. <laughs> so I when agree. we're a thankful mm-hmm. heart, we can see what God's doing and how he's blessing us. Um, and that kind of brings us to a question I wanted to ask you. When you look back over your shoulder, what are some things that you say, oh, God, you did that for me. Mm-hmm. You did that for me. You did that for me. What are some ways that you see God's faithfulness through this tough journey? Well, I uh, I had a friend named Tommy the whole time growing up, a girl who had didn't have the easiest upbringing. Um, she lived in the children's home for much of her, her life. She was one of my very best friends. Her aunt ended up raising her, and her aunt and my mom were friends. And um, one of the things that happened shortly after Shane had passed was she decided to take her own life. Mm-hmm. And this was like another punch in the gut, yeah. you know. And so um, when I look mm-hmm. back at at just everything that has happened since, one of the things that I love is that I had her, I was able to have her daughter in class that, that same year. And just to be able to, even if it was still fresh for me, be able to minister to her daughter and just show her love. I mean, even even just the smallest things mm-hmm. like bring her lunch at school or, you know, make sure she had what she needed or whatever. And I know her little sister will be coming my way next year. And um, just things like that that I think were such a just one more traumatic thing. But it felt like I, I knew what my job was. Um, we had a friend of Tate's lose their dad over the summer and he and I went to the funeral and we stood there and I kept thinking, why are we still here? Tate is like just wanting to like stand under this tree and we, we aren't leaving. And um, even the funeral director who had been the one <laughs> I've known in my whole life and he was, you know, who did Shane's service came up behind me and said, you know, it's over, right? Like just joking, mm-hmm. of course, <laughs> being silly, Steve. But I said, yes, I do. And I looked at Tate and I'm like, are we ready? You ready to go? You know? And he said, no. And I was like, okay. So we just kept standing there and Mm -hmm. he was waiting on his friend. He didn't care how many necks he hugged. He didn't care how many people wanted to talk to him. He just was waiting and watching him and um, didn't really even say much to him after. But he said, I just felt like I was supposed to do that. I said, well, you are going to know your role and Mm -hmm. you're not going to realize why sometimes. But that mom um, that I've been able to become friends with her through, you know, her losing her husband, I just reached out to her and said, there are going to be some things in the next few weeks that are going to seem like business that you don't want to take care of. Mm -hmm. But let me help you take care of those. Let me 
get you through some of that. You know, if you need me to go with you or make phone calls for you or whatever the case may be. Um, so just knowing that I can have maybe an impact on somebody, you know, someone or my children can on people who have, have lost someone or who are going through similar situations. And it does make you look at just, just every, everything that happens as, you know, an opportunity. Um, if, if I do, you know, get to share what God has done and, we had some really good friends who, and I don't think I've ever shared this before, but we had some really good friends who we had kind of been through their dating process. It was a guy that Shane played music with and super shy kind of guy, just just him and his guitar. He just loved his guitar. Mm-hmm. And he saw this beautiful girl and he just wanted to date her. And Shane kind of encouraged him and even drove him to the city one time to make sure that he, instead of having flowers delivered, they took her two favorite flowers in the form of a candle. And Shane like hit around the corner while this guy ran it up to her door. I mean, silly that, you know, the things you remember, but in the long run, after Shane passed, um, that girl called me and said, you know, we're not, we're not going to make it. We're going to, we're, we're getting a divorce. And I mean, I think you'll understand this more than anyone because, you know, you, you only live once. I mean, I, I just think that, um, you know, it's just not, you know, I, I found someone else and I was like, girl, I'm going to need to stop you right there. I said, I am, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but you only live once is reserved for things like jumping out of an airplane or, deciding you want to scuba dive or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. And you cannot use this because she kept referring back to Shane and how, you know, it was just so hard and so sad. And I'm like, we're not using that to our, you know, to our advantage to make an excuse to just live life, you know. And we have had this, you know, those conversations have come up with my kids. Like, well, people say like, oh, well, you, you know, you're, your dad passed really young. I mean, like, what are your plans? I'm thinking people wow. don't have a lot of, you know, filter when it comes to thinking things through as far as like, it just shows maturity and it shows things like, or I don't lack feel like, of. right. <laughs> lack of maturity. Um, I just, you know, and so I have, I guess, lost friends along the way too, but I'm going to stand firm in the fact that, you know, I'm going to see Shane again someday. My boys are encouraged by that. I am encouraged by that. I'm, I'm just never going to, you know, not want to share that, you know, what God has done for us. And, you know, I just, I had to tell her, I'm sorry, I'm not sure that, you know, until you have a different outlook on that, I might not mm-hmm. be ready to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, we can't use that as an excuse <laughs> for sin. No, it right. is not. It's not an excuse. And yeah, you got to take care of, take care of yourself and your family and, and your business with God, because you're going to be, you know, talking to him someday about it. So Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, some of the friends that you had that came alongside you in the very first days and weeks, what were some of those things that maybe God just put it on your friends' hearts to do some things for you? What were some of those really meaningful things? And maybe maybe our listeners and maybe we can be encouraged in how we could help friends of ours that are hurting. Yes, I I would say uh, right off the bat, we had um, Shane's work showed up with 
all the paper goods that I could ever ask for. I mean, I felt like, why are they bringing this many paper plates and, you know, (laughs) two coolers full of drinks, iced down, ready to go, and um, just bringing in food and barbecue and, you you name Mm -hmm. it. I just Mm -hmm. remember my counters being full and everybody who came through the door, I was able to offer them a drink and something to eat, and I had not prepared it. And I know that's kind of how we do as Christian women. Sometimes it's that, you know, people tease like, well, bring a casserole and we'll be okay. (laughs) But, um, you know, that was definitely what was going on. But it was just on such a different level. I felt like, you know, people were just showing up with amazing things. And I I can tell you, um, we got gift cards and we were still using gift cards that we had gotten I mean, probably just, you know, six months ago that we got right off the bat. And it was nice though, because when we are on the run, you don't, when, when you're going through like the first few weeks, you really don't even know what day it is. You don't know your name. You don't know, you know, where you're supposed to be. I would have people just show up and want to take Wyatt to the park. And I was like, sure. You know, you just feel like you're in a, in a daze. And, um, I do not, ever, when I look back at that time, feel like anybody was neglected, not one of my kids, you know, definitely not me. I would always have someone right by my side and, um, my hair never looked a mess. Um, my friend Lindsay was like, come over in the middle of the night. I'll do. We love Lindsay. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And she'd come over and do your hair. Oh yeah. She would do my hair right in my kitchen and make sure my roots were good. And and um, she even grabbed you a few times and we're like, okay, let's go take care of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> she said, we are never going to let you look like that, which maybe I need to see her right now. But um, <laughs> No, but I do say, love that that yes. whole, like, your friends surrounding you of, like, you're, we're going to pick you up and make sure that you don't end up in this pit or yes. even looking like you're in a pit. Yes, it was good. It was good stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went back to school, I my boys actually went back to school before I did. I just decided I, I wasn't quite ready, but normalcy and a routine is something that, I mean, we've, you know, worked on since they were babies. So it was important to kind of try to get back in and look what time of year it was. This was state testing time. (laughs) I could have cared less about Mm -hmm. their state test at that time. And every year I have that same feeling like, wow, they're going to sit through a quiet room. And the first year after I felt like was bad, but, um, just knowing that I could be kind of in the shadows. I mean, knowing our house was you know, in Sky Took, so I just stayed, and I basically sat in my sister's office, at, and she's the librarian there at the seventh grade, shut the door, turned the light off. My own students didn't even know I was there, and I just, I got that business stuff taken care of with my best friend right by my side, and um, made phone calls, and did all those things that I needed to do, and the boys, you know, never knew I wasn't just trucking along at school, you know, at the same time they were. And they definitely knew I was just at an arm's reach if they needed something. And their teachers were amazing and have been amazing. If I email any teacher, high school, it doesn't matter, you know, what level or age and just say, we are not having a good day. You know, um, Wyatt one day this last, just this last fall, just was not having a good day. And I couldn't figure out quite what it was. But the night before at a practice, a dad had just said something to his son and just, you know, sometimes those things a boy wishes their dad was there to say something to them too. And I, we just had talked about it before bed and I emailed his teachers that night and just said, Mm -hmm. 
this could be a rough day or it could be fine, but I just wanted to give you the heads up. And they're just also responsive to that. And I'm, I've never want my kids to feel like they are going to use that as an excuse either. You know, I'm, I'm, but it is helpful as teachers, counselors to know, yeah. Hey, just a heads up. This can be a rough day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and then they can kind of, everybody can kind of gauge where they're at and yes, what they let fly for the day and things like that. And as a teacher, I appreciate those types of emails mm-hmm. too. So I mm-hmm. figured that was probably the way to go. And it's, it's just been good for, you know, to have that kind of support. We definitely live in a com- community that supports one another. Mm-hmm. And um, I can appreciate that on a firsthand level. And I just blow- was blown away by all of it. And, you know, down to the, the hair color, the gift cards, the just everything. And one time I remember we were leaving Oklahoma City from a baseball tournament and I called Lindsay on the way back and said, you know what, you know what time of year it is, right? It's the bleach your hair time of year for these boys <laughs> <who are> playing <laughs> baseball. Oh, yeah. She right. said, I'll, awesome meet, baseball. I'll meet you in your driveway. So uh, sure enough, she was there to bleach the two baseball players at the time, you know, bleach, bleach their hair and right there in the kitchen again. And uh, <laughs> that was fun. And yeah, just the craziest things that you would think. I mean, one time a girl had signed up to bring us dinner and she said, my day has been as crazy as yours probably has. Pizza is being delivered to your house at six something. And you know, oh. I thought you'd be home by then. So she just had it delivered. I was like, sweet. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, so just fun things. And I have a friend every year on Valentine's that brings something and drops it off at my school. And it's a girl that I graduated mm. from high school with who um, just, you know, remembers that it might be a mm. rough day. And yeah. the first time she did it, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. And then every year since, she hasn't missed, missed a beat, Jill. So I just appreciate her doing that just super sweet and thoughtful and people I don't ever would never underestimate you know kids and um just that verse about you know don't don't let anyone look down on you you know because you're young those kids the first year back the first few weeks back I felt like the worst teacher I was literally just trying to show up Mm -hmm. I mean and well that's actually pretty great yeah you can just be showing up. (laughs) That's a huge step. They were ready for, you know, to not have a sub, but I had great substitutes, but I was glad to be there with them, but they were just phenomenal. If I just walked into the, look at the time I had a supply closet, I just remember spending a lot of time in and out of there trying to get myself together. And they would just, they were just so kind and sweet and uplifting. And, you know, just to say for a student to say, Hey, I prayed for you this morning. And when I spoke at the church this year, I had told my kids about it because we were getting ready to do a big presentation in class and they were nervous. And mm-hmm. I said, you guys think you're nervous? I don't even know what I'm about to get into here, you know? And uh, then to walk in a room with 300, you know, plus women, mm-hmm. I I told them the next day, you know, I could tell you guys were thinking about me. And and uh, they corrected me a few of them and said, we were praying for you, Miss Farley. I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much. And they're just, you know, it's fun to be around a lot of really brilliant minds all day. And and these are seventh graders, y'all. Yes. We're good. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Seventh graders. Yes, they're they're good. Good kids. So um, I can't really think of anything else aside from um, if you, if someone's on your mind and, you know, if you 
if you're thinking of them, let them know. And, you know, always don't, you know, don't be afraid to tell somebody how you feel about them. Um, you know, everybody needs a cheerleader and no matter what they've been through, but I will get just random texts on some days and it always is the right time. Probably one of the things that has helped us a lot also is, is just, um, service and, being there for other people. And we had the very first birthday that Shane uh, would have had was that next, you know, that July when we were home in the summer and we were trying to decide um, how are we going to celebrate this birthday. And Tate's birthday is the day before Shane's. We almost, you know, had Tate on Shane's birthday, uh, but he came a day early. And so, and then Lane is also a July birthday. So, July is kind of a busy month, and we decided, the boys actually decided we needed to um, make some sack lunches and go downtown and, and just hand them out. And so we just, you know, drove around until we found some people who looked like they needed a lunch. And um, we've done that probably six or seven times since. We've taken scarves and hats down and put them different random places where they could be found. And um, we just tied them to like the street signs, the scarves, and then we make a lap and come back and someone would already be wearing it. Oh, I love (laughs) it. So it was really fun. And then in the summer, just to take a cooler of cold water and just go pass it out, you know, and um, we kind of know all their little pockets where they, where they hang out downtown, the homeless, this, all the, all the service and giving comes from, just comes from Shane. I have to give him all the credit. Um, We were at a soccer tryout, one of Tate's first soccer tryouts, and these beautiful kids were there, and there's a whole community of kids that live close to the fields, and they had come to try out, and they were not about to get these training tops that they were, you know, we had to purchase a training top as soon as you found out you made the team. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Shane with like an armload of them. And he had just been in the little you know, snack shack in there making a deal with somebody to buy a whole bunch of them and pass them out to the kids. And I mean, and he would stop on the side of the road and just give money to someone. He, one time we pulled into a quick trip and he said, I'm just supposed to give this guy 20 bucks. And I was like, what? And uh, I mean, we weren't even getting gas. He just pulled in, gets out, gives this guy money, talks to him for a second and gets back in. And he just said, I just felt like I was supposed to. And then the man said, you don't even know, you know, how bad I needed that. So anyway, we're just trying to follow his good example. And um, that's a great way to honor him. Yes. I -hmm. I think it's been good for the boys and um, we'll pull up somewhere. And if there's someone that, you know, wants, uh, wants some food or money, the boys are always like, you've got to give them like $5 even mom. I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) we always try to keep some change, (laughs) some money around for those things. But that's something we definitely learned from him. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Is there anything else you thought about for our listeners? Uh, probably the only thing is I would say a book that I would recommend for anyone going through this uh, would be Levi Lesko's um, Through the mm-hmm. Eyes of a Lion. Yeah. Um, it spoke to me. I've read through it twice. I've given it as gifts multiple times to people who were hurting and um, I'm just sort of, a, I need realism. I need people to be real with me. Um, mm-hmm. I love Rachel Hollis, Jen Hatmaker. I love their podcasts. I love, you know, um, Levi Lesko has a podcast called uh, Fresh Life. That's his church that um, it's just all so 
real, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I feel like is so important is just to, to keep it real. And the more people will share their real stories, I feel like that right. they can help other people. But that book in particular was okay. incredible for me. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that. He lost his daughter and mm-hmm. it just was really helpful to read that perspective. Yeah. Know. And I think his wife is on Jen Jewell's podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Telling that story. Okay. So yeah. that might be one to look up. Yeah, I mean, we can look that up and put it in our show notes. Your story has been such a, an impacting and helpful story for us to hear of, of how you just walk through this and that God's meeting you right where you are. Thank you for your bravery, and thank you for your willingness to share with us. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Guys, how much do you just love Jennifer? She's amazing. And we got a lot of great tips and and practical things of what to do when we have somebody that's grieving. She does mention about a great cloud of witness. So we were going to reference that verse as Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Something that also we can hear in Jen's story is how she speaks with wisdom and instruction. She's walking the journey of trusting in God, and that's um, the the reference of Proverbs 31.26 about the woman that speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. And also Colossians 1.17 is one of our verses for Afraid Not. And it says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. If you as a listener are going through a time of afraid not, a trial, we just want to remind you that God's got you. He holds all things together. He holds Jennifer Farley and her boys together. He holds you. So we just want to remind you that today. We're going to close this episode with Shane Farley's recording that Jennifer graciously shared with us. This is what Shane sounded like, and he is singing Moon Dance by Van Morrison. You can just hear what a great, sweet heart he has in his voice. Enjoy.
seconds come And I know the timing's just right Straight into my arms you will run When you come back never alone there and then all my dreams will come true dear there and then I'll make you my own cause every time I touch you you just tremble inside and I know how much you want me Every time I touch you, you just trade. 